Whether you're pre-trib or pre-RAF, it's important to dispose of the pretense that expensive insurance is something that you're stuck with. Most people don't shop around for better insurance rates until years after they get their policies. And with the price of a loaf of bread slowly approaching a day's wages, it's important to save where you can. That's why the Better Insurance Agency is here to help with options for home, auto, life, and small business insurance. Visit us online at www.thebetterquote.com or call us at 540-200-8646 today to see about switching to a better insurance company. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Please note that if you're listening to this commercial after the rapture has taken place, the Better Insurance Agency is probably closed. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. More bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? We back. We are back. I got to be honest, I still am digging. Listening to that new intro, I think I think you did a great job on that. It was awesome. It's groovy. Justin is our uh, our editor, our tech wizard, and most of our brains. So, <laughs> and and the Facebook genius. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a labor yeah. of love. The the tech guy. Well, it was his brother that bestowed the crown upon me. <laughs> true. How's that Kit Kat? Yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to my brother Mike, who has uh, helped us through. Uh, Numerous technical difficulties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm kind of excited about this week. Yeah, it's but a little I, different. 
I don't know. I think maybe maybe we should go ahead and pray. What do you think? I think it's Ben's turn to pray. Yeah, Ben. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this good weather that we've had. Lord, please give us discernment. Please have this uh, conversation we're about to have be enlightening and have it uh, reach who it needs to reach and speak through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I, you go right ahead. You jump into this. Well, I guess just like getting into it, it's like uh, it was probably about two years ago I, I ran across a documentary and watched it, and it was on uh, you know the Founding Fathers, you know, and them being Christians. You know, in school we're always taught that you know we were found on Christian principles. We're a Christian nation, you know, one nation under God, and that's told to you from you know kindergarten. So it's kind of like just beating in your head, you know. And this documentary uh, basically challenged that assumption and actually took a deep dive into it and really exposed uh, quite the opposite. And I remember it was just mind-blowing. But uh, at the beginning of the year, or actually at the tail end of 2022, we sat down and was discussing what topics and stuff that we wanted to uh, talk about. And this was one of the ones that, that was brought up, and but uh, I had to rewatch that documentary, and uh, I cannot remember the name of it. Stephen, he's I'm sure he's got it written down over here. The name of this documentary, if you want to go back and watch it all over. And, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I will. Yeah, it was really good. And then I bought some books on uh, the Freemasons and, and even alchemy and and stuff like that to take a, a further deep dive into this. I think this is going to be a good discussion. This uh, this documentary was called The Hidden Faith of the Founding Fathers. You can find it on YouTube, but I will tell you, it is enlightening. Um, it it, uh, it A lot of what we're pulling today comes from that, along with some other sources as well. But th- this, it's it's just a really good deep dive. It get I mean, buckle your seatbelts, about three hours long, but it's going to really change your perception of uh of of why we're here like why was our country founded like where did it come from and what were the the principles the morals and the reasons that uh that brought us to where we are today and actually after you hear some of the things today maybe where we are today won't surprise you so much yeah i mean that's kind of a a weird way of looking at it yeah, because, you know, we've been always taught one thing. And then now, I guess with this documentary and some other stuff, it's a little different. And it's, it's kind of, it seems to be like a common trend. And then that's the reason why there's shows like ours. That's right. It's like, you know, once we start digging in and looking into these things that we are told, we find out quite often that there's a lot more to the story. <laughs> right. And as they say, you know, the winner writes history oh yeah you know so they'll say whatever they want to say kind of fluff it up a little bit leave out the gruesome details which i'm not denying you know the the first peoples you know on that mayflower you know the pilgrims were christian people that's Mm -hmm. not what i'm getting at no you know yes they set out here to form a christian nation but we're we're specifically talking about the, the founding fathers, the ones that was the heads of the the Revolutionary War, the con- the first Congress, yeah, that formed much. our union, right? 
I guess they'd be considered the first Congress. I guess I guess I kind of start here a little bit with um, I, I was I was looking at a few different things and I found uh, a guy I found pretty interesting was Gordon Wood. He's a professor of history at Brown University, and um, when he was kind of confronted with the question, the guy, I mean, he's he's excellent. You can you can find some of his work to um, a few different places, but Gordon Wood. And he, he said that most founding fathers were not emotionally right or, or religious, is how he said it. And he said some were even anti-religious uh, to the point where Jefferson hated organized religion. Um, and a big thing that we'll jump into, and this is a big thing that we see throughout the founding fathers, is they believed in the principles of, of what what Jesus stood for, but they did not believe in any of his divinity. And that's something that we're going to see straight across the board here with pretty much all the founding fathers as we kind of go through this. Right. It's like it was a a good structure for moral teaching. For moral teaching and civilization to work as a whole, but obviously not, you know, following yeah. Jesus and stuff like that. With uh, with I guess starting it off, you know, uh, a guy named uh, Charles Thompson, uh, you know, he was the one that made the final call on the Great Seal of the United States and on the you know back of the American dollar bill, you know, the uh, the pyramid with, with the eye on top, you know, some people call it the all-seeing eye, uh, but you know, this guy kept great records and details about the revolution and the men that were involved. You know, people even begged him to publish his historical records, but he declined. Uh, Stephen, you want to tell us what his reply to those uh, the quote, requests were? The quote here, after he was uh, encouraged to publish this, he said, No, I ought not, for I should contradict all the histories of the great events of the Revolution. Let the world admire the supposed wisdom and valor of our great men. I shall not undeceive future generations. That's that rewriting history stuff. Mm. That I really shall not tells you. Undeceive. And this guy, Charles Thompson, was the congressional secretary from 1774 to 1789. Somebody who the congressional secretary the, who wrote everything right. down, who was in the middle of everything, kept all the records, would have had the most complete, most accurate history of how our country was founded. And he's and what he ended up doing with those documents, he said it would be it. You can't release them for that reason. So he eventually destroyed them. He burned them. Destroyed them. So nobody could find out the truth. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I know, like I was telling you guys earlier, we've been, I've been watching a little stuff about the Revolutionary War. And there is a lot of stuff that would, the verbiage would have freed the slaves at, at the time of the writing of the Declaration of Independence. But they didn't want to do that. Now, obviously, we all know slavery is wrong. And if you, you know, I guess Jesus didn't really address slavery. But if our God-given rights totally debunked slavery and they had to rewrite the Constant or the Declaration multiple times, so therefore they didn't have to free their slaves. Well, even so, the atheists try to defend, you know, or try oh, to yeah. fight us and say, well, you know, the Torah says it's okay for slavery well the thing is is god a walk with god is a process it's not right. an overnight change no, even not at all what a lot of you know 
people in this area, like Southern Baptists and stuff, but I've always been taught, you know, when you're saved, boom, you know, you're not no. going to sin no more. And, and no, that ain't it, it's a process. And God meets you where you are. Right. So God was like, okay, you got slaves. Well, I'm going to lay down some laws where you're going to have to treat them good at least. Right. My plan of, down the road is to get rid of this, but for right now, I'm going to meet you where you're at, and you're at least going to have a set of laws and be set apart from everybody else, and you're going to treat them well. Right. And biblically, a lot of the times that they were, and not speaking of like the Egyptian slavery or things of that, but when they were slaves within their own, um, within their own people, a lot of times, and what would be is they couldn't settle a debt. So they would sell themselves They're into slavery. It off. They're working it off. So that's I mean, the that's, terminology. That's not really a slave. You're working it. And off. then the that's law, different. the Levitical law at the time, would every seven years it would forgive all debts and all slaves would be freed. Right. That's the Levitical law. So I mean, you see, that's the the um, and I, I love how how God works, and it's every seventh day. You know, it's the completion. Right. The numbers and it it. There's so much there. Well, on top of that, you know, one of our, that Jesus said to do is love your neighbor as yourself. I don't want to be nobody's slave. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on now. It's all you bankers but, take note. Yeah. After seven years, you're going to have to yeah, forgive, we're forgive my debt. It's biblical. The house is mine. <laughs> it's biblical. I like that. Like Stephen said, don't take our word for it. Read your Bible. Right. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Kill that rabbit. Now we're going to okay, go back, sorry. To, back, back to the, the sorry. original hole. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's back it up. There yes. you go. There we go. So with Charles Thompson's comments, you know, he, he destroyed the manuscripts, and he says, he shall not undeceive a future generation. So now what have we been deceived of is the question. You know, in God we trust. Is that a, a trick? On your money. Actually, you know, the way that I take this, and once again, this is going to be my personal point of view, um, and the way I interpret that, I can't say this is 100%, you know. But if you look at what they believe, most of them believed it, it, it was more of what we call deism, right? They believed in a divine creator, but a creator that did not have any interaction with man. There was a total separation. So they, they were smart enough to understand evolution wasn't real, but at the same time, they they didn't couldn't understand anything like anything beyond A the fact that God created it. Anything past that was was something. What happened here right. happened here. Right. There was no other divine outside forces, anything like that. So I think this would probably be like a good segue to just kind of break down Freemasonry. Because all the founding fathers were, were Freemasons and, and members of, you know, the lodges. And even the ones that are not outright proven, you know, you are the company you keep. The ones, even the ones that are disputed, that they don't know, all their best friends were Masons. And they had Masonic right. thoughts and, and right. you know, Ideals. I would say that they... And I, I, was, I mean, the proven amount of Masons, you know, I, I think they said out of the, there was nine, I think it was nine. Not confirmed that names were confirmed in That were lodges, some that were lodge leaders, you know, like Benjamin Franklin was a lodge leader in Paris. And Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, yeah. So and you, a member of Hellfire Club. It, well, and that's a whole different. And a womanizer. Yeah, we'll get he, there. He was. And in 1998, <laughs> they found 10 bodies buried in the basement he had lived in his whole life. I'm sorry, we'll get there later. 
Oh my! But uh, but anyway, sorry. There's there's t- I mean this goes this is a rabbit hole that yes. takes us so far, and um, it's it, they believe that there was a god, but after that, so they believed in God, but they did not believe in in the. It was. It wasn't specifically Yahweh. It, no, it sure wasn't. And actually, if you look, track it back, a lot of this comes from a lot of the French ideologies that were happening pre pre our revolution, which was like 10 or so years pre to the French revolution. And that those ideas were founded on, on human reason, the goddess reason. Well, and that's where they come from is it was the goddess reason and to the point where they'd show her even on a throne where they'd put her above where reason ruled all human reason. So if an idea did not jive with your uh, human reason, if it didn't make sense, then it wasn't true. Yes. That kind of sounds familiar, don't it? Yeah. Well, see, today's world, there, there's lots of you know rumors and uh, stories about you know the Masons being you know an occult and you know Satan worship and sacrifice. You know, we're not going to go down that hole. We're going to talk about the things that we can prove. You know, with them being a secret society, you know, there's it leaves room for all kinds of speculation. But what we do know is that the only rule to become a Freemason is that you must proclaim a divine architect, that there is a God, you know, whether it's Yahweh, Allah, Shiva, whatever. And another rule they had with the lodge was uh, religion and politics were supposed to be left out of the lodge and in the meetings, you know, anything that I guess that would cause division. But they were uh, all about knowledge, you know, uh, basically man uh, evolutionizing himself into a god himself. Which, take that back, to the, rake that back to the, uh, the Garden of Eden and you'll Genesis be as gods. Three. Yes, you shall be as gods. And that's something that humanity has always tried to get back to. So as soon as we try to put ourselves in that position, and it's something that you see repetitive throughout history, but keep going, sorry. Yeah, yeah so, so just because, you know, they say, you know, oh, well, the Freemasons are, are Christians. They believe in God. Not, they believe in a God. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty broad uh, spectrum right there. And like I mentioned, we're not talking about the pilgrims. You know, that was 100, 150 years had passed from the time of the pilgrims coming here to the revolution. And that left a lot of time for a lot of bad seed and stuff to get planted. So I guess going to uh, a really key figure in this whole plot was Thomas Paine. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas Paine, you know, says... Uh, the revolution begins with this guy. You know, he wrote Common Sense, and he brought the and he uh, brought the Declaration of Independence. You know, Benjamin Franklin encouraged him to come to America and write Common Sense. You know, John Adams even said, Paine's words were equal to Washington's sword. So ba- they were saying that you know if he wouldn't have wrote you know Common Sense and his ideologies that he brought. The revolution would have never got started. That that the words right. of Thomas Paine were yeah, the, the, the spirit behind the American the, Revolution. The book Common Sense was what kind of opened the eyes of the it kinda, Americans. It kind of makes you wonder what was behind and who, maybe who indirectly was behind that. I mean, yes, Thomas Paine wrote it, but when you look at it, they took that same book. They, trans- they, they translated it into French, and then the French Revolution uh, 
right. kind of came as a part of that as well. Well, he he wrote that book, and then when uh, just about pain, he he wrote the Common Sense book, and then after the first year of war, he wrote another book because George Washington was getting his butt kicked so bad to trying to re refire the Revolutionary War. And seeing a lot of people, historians and stuff, you know, look back at this and they call this the age of reason. Well, the age of reason, reason, I'm sorry, hated Christianity. You know, he's even quoted saying, I cannot dishonor my creator by calling it by his name. You know, this is the words of Thomas Paine. You know, he believed in a God, just not the one of the Bible. You know, like I said, you know, he a Freemason. You know, he, he even is quoted saying, It is the fable of Jesus Christ as told in the New Testament and the wild and visionary doctrine raised there on to which I contend. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. And it only gets worse. No, oh, yeah. That was the ne- the ne- another quote from him, the story, taking it as it is, talking about the Bible. The story as it is, taking it, I'm sorry, taking it as it is told is Bla- is <laughs> blasphemy obscene. I mean, he's j- straight up calling the Bible blasphemous. I mean, that's the most blasphemous thing you can do is call the Bible blasphemous. <laughs> yeah. And First uh, John, you know, chapter 4 even talked about that. You know, he said, Beloved, do not trust every spirit, but test all spirits to see whether they belong to God. Many false prophets have gone out into this world. This is how you can tell and know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ come in the flesh, belongs to God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus does not belong to God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. And this takes us right back into that Ephesians 6.12 that we talk about all the time. What do we, what do we, ulti- what are we ultimately battling? Who You know, behind this... When you have people usually that, and you look at this throughout history and everything that, um, and we even deal with this sometimes with um, just stuff online. You can post something about Jesus. You can post something about uh, alien and no one cares. You oh, post something oh, about Jesus yeah. and you will be under attack. And why is it that you that people have to, and we look at this and we look at some of these quotes from these founding fathers, they're so adamantly against, not not just not just I don't believe that, adamantly against fired up for that and to me that seems like maybe there's a little more behind that if you if you you catch my drift there a little yeah, bit that's i mean the that's spirit the, behind the pen exactly right. that's <laughs> the same with like a atheist why are you co- so concerned about me worshiping a god if you mm-hmm. don't believe there's a god yeah you just look at me like i'm silly well, just you like know. kids with Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. You know, they're not real. What? No whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, kids. Whoa. Whoa. So do you buddy. just run right out and just tell <laughs> all these little kids, you know, yeah. you're stupid, you're an idiot. Santa yeah. Claus is not yeah. real. Tooth Girls, Fairy's not real. And Girls who play don't with push your ideas on me. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, you, you know just, he's not real. Okay, you, let, you let the kids believe what they want to believe. Uh, right. We've uh, Unicorns have been proven real, so let's not get carried away. But, you know, it's, you know, we talked about, you know, this, you know, the spirit of reason, you know, it could not believe in supernatural things of the Bible. And like and, uh, Stephen touched on it, you know, the, the goddess of reason, you know, 
uh, was exalted on a throne and, you know, many statues and, and pictures, you know. Uh, the 1599 Geneva Bible had footnotes talking about how pagans would enthrone the goddess of reason. Reason would govern your understanding. Hmm. And hold on, I pulled a good one for that too. Well, even even with the reason stuff while he's looking, I mean, look at like Sparta. They were all about reason. All the Greece, you know, you know, Greek they weren't they weren't Christian by no means. How about Second uh, Corinthians ten four? We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false uh, arguments. I just that one. It's it's funny how you can see how God gave us the tools so far ahead of time and throughout history that to combat all this to know the truth and. It, it it just blows me away that we can take a book, you know, some of it which was written, you know, way before Jesus, significantly before Jesus, some of it that's written just post-Jesus, and we can take that book that's, you know, a couple thousand years old, and we can still use that still book to this it. day to yeah. everything that's going on, even right now. And as you, what did you just say? What did you just say about the, uh, don't take our word for it. Oh yeah. Read your Bible. Because it's there. It's right in front of you. And it, you just need to sit down and, and, and read it because it gives you the answers. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing with the, the, you know, the worship of of reason. I mean, in, in other words, it's, it's the worship of the human intellect. You know, they, you know, they became their own gods. You know, Thomas Paine even said, my own mind is my own church. I mean, that's how scary. pompous. Well, see, and that's the thing. They all were full of themselves. Oh, yeah. Because they, it, it ain't like, you know, my, you know, my, obviously I'm, my great grandparents come over on the Mayflower. I'm, I own a farm. I'm not in Congress. It's the ones who are well off. Oh, yeah. Who come from money, who were already established in Europe and Britain. That came over. They already was in that standing. And Satan is the ruler of this world. Oh yeah. And well, there ain't. The, they were prospering because they were in line with that. Exactly. Spirit. Exactly. And you know, just like the old, you know, you know, we're from Tennessee, so you know, we're we're good old boys. You know, my my dad used to always tell me, you know, if you run around with the dogs, you're gonna get the fleas. You know, <laughs> I got one just like that. Yeah, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. Dad would say if you st- if you hang out with trash. You'll start smelling like trash before you know it. You're trash with them. See, I got one, too. I tell my kids, you know, uh, I heard it online somewhere, but it just stuck with me. I think it was Les Brown. I love that guy. Great motivational speaker. But uh, he said, I don't care if you're an eagle. If you're running around with a bunch of turkeys, eventually you're going to learn how or forget how to fly, and you're going to start clucking. Yep. And I don't know how eagle tastes, but turkey's delicious. Yes. Did you know, sideline, they wanted to make the turkey the United States bird instead of the bald eagle? I'm glad they did. And if they did, we would not know what turkey tastes like. Do do you know, though? That may be be a more appropriate uh, uh, mascot for our country right now. Yeah. What, the turkey? The turkey. The turkey's smart. It's delicious. Well, 
it it will just stand there and let a, a dog attack it. I mean, it's not it's not an eagle. It's not graceful. It's not beautiful. It's not elegant. Right. True. Yeah, they are pretty ugly. And they they make terrible noises. <laughs> but with Actually, that, I but love they're them, yummy. Though. I love they them. They are though. yummy. But I mean, with, you have some. I do have some. <laughs> but with that terminology, sorry for the sideline. Oh, that's good. But uh, with that terminology, you know, let's let's take a look at uh, who the founding fathers, you know, ran around with, you know, and specifically Thomas Paine. You know, this guy was close to Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Ben Franklin. As I said, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You run around oh, with like-minded yeah. people. Yep. So let's kind of look into some of these other guys and, and quotes that they had. Do you got anything on John Adams over there? I do. I do have a couple things on John Adams. I want to get back at some point to Washington because oh, yeah. I got some stuff from um, that same professor from Brown University that had some good stuff on him, too, which I think is interesting. But paging through my notes, which you said John Adams? Yeah. One of, one of my uh, quotes that I found from him is, is, when philosophical reason is clear and certain by intuition or necessary induction no subsequent relevate or i'm sorry revelation supported by prophecies or miracles can supersede it that is by definition following the goddess of reason taking your human if your brain can't see uh, uh can't understand how something didn't happen then it didn't happen it or and this is, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, a little more, but this is where one of the biggest problems the Founding Fathers had with the Bible was the virgin birth. And the miracles, anything well, supernatural. They, anything supernatural, but they, they really, they really, really went after the virgin birth. And that's another one of those Thomas Paine quotes. I'm sorry, I, I missed this one when we were talking about it. But what is it the Testament teaches us? To believe that the Almighty committed debauchery with a woman engaged to be married, and the belief of this debauchery is called faith. I mean, so how, in other words, he's saying God had sex with Mary. Well, he's saying that yeah. there's no because he doesn't understand how a woman, how right. a woman who was a virgin, could have could have a child, a child, it defies and, reason, and because right. that then something had to have uh, or had to copulate with her to make her have a child. So therefore it's not supernatural. They're taking the supernatural out everywhere they can. And and this is the supernatural that the church is okay with. You know, we're, we talk right. about that all the time. There's the supernatural that is Jesus. And then we talk about that supernatural worldview where we see it in so That's many other places else in the Bible that, that most churches try to not talk about, but it just, that just blows me away. And, and that, and we're taught that these were upstanding Christian gentlemen. I mean, throughout history, and it's it's a lie. Oh, it, you know, and even with the the the, okay, the Declaration of Independence, you know, Thomas Jefferson was the one that penned it. Says we hold these truths to be self-evident. Reason first. That's what that is. This intentionally called out the irrational teachings, quote unquote, of the Bible. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Reason rules. Mm -hmm. Reason sits on the throne. You know, in uh, Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware lest any man deceive you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
you know, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, because reason rules. Look at it that way, it makes better sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Stephen just said, I mean, a book written thousands of years before saw this coming. Oh, yeah. And is trying to prepare you for well, it. I mean My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. And it's not even that it saw it coming. I mean, it probably was the same then as it is I think to some degree. At this degree, point and then now. But you have to understand the spirit behind that pen was They're God. probably wearing bell bottoms. Right? We talked about that before. The spirit behind the pen. Who is oh, it? Oh, yeah. The spirit behind that pen was God. It was the Holy Spirit that was helping them right. write the, the truth that, that came from God, that inspired word. And, you know, when we're looking at some of these other things and, and then we can go in. You started with Thomas Jefferson. You might as well go into... Uh, Start working on Thomas Jefferson here and kind of going into some of his um, exploits. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, leading into that, I wanted to hit this uh, this book, and I this is on my list of books, uh, but it's called Fire in the Minds of Men by Dr. James Billington. You know, America during the Revolution was most influenced by occultism and proto-Roman uh, Romanism of Germany, you know, they took the flame uh, from the Christian altars to the Masonic lodges. You know, th these are quotes from this book and talks about uh, the, the influence and stuff of these founding fathers. You know, occult alchemists promised to turn dross into gold. You know, this reappeared to recreate the golden age. You know, and this goes back to Genesis 6 when the gods, you know, walked amongst us, you know, and the mighty men of old. This is what these guys... Uh, in uh, these uh, Freemason uh, societies were trying to accomplish but through themselves you know ye will ye yourself will be as gods they were trying to bring back reason and the golden age and all these things and, and that and that's the spirit of, uh, of Satan you know I mean that goes all the way back to Genesis 3 but his reference to Germany was uh, Bavaria you know and that's where the Illuminati is found you know and it was founded 1776, y'all. Mm-hmm. Coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, its links to masonry 
are acknowledged by the highest levels of the Freemasonry today. The Illuminati was originally an inner circle of Freemasons, and they were called the Enlightened Ones. They were illuminated. <laughs> i tell you one thing. I've, I've been in a Mason's Lodge before through work. Sure. It was definitely through work. You're on now, the on the outside, you know, they had like a coat rack, little wooden pegs. And there is all these weird-looking symbols with, you know, on chains hanging there. And then, so, which the room that they go do their ceremonies or whatever in, it was freaky. Like, when I opened the door, because I was curious, you know, I wonder what in here looks like. I mean, downstairs was just tables, like, where they'd have a, you know, your fellowship hall. Everybody get together and have dinner and have spaghetti night. Nothing going I mean, they had pictures around the wall of all the the leader masons or whatever they are. But, uh, I mean, it was, when I opened that door and set foot in there, it was kind of like your wife talking about going into that shop with a Ouija board. Oh, it was freaky. Dark, heavy spirit. Oh, I I was like, set, looked around. It's like, I'm out. It was weird. Paintings, like some weird shapes on the floor. and all, I mean, it was, it was weird. Well, you know, the, like the symbolism, like since you brought it up, uh, behind all that stuff and, and their uh, rituals of initiation. Yeah. You know, they what they would do is a, a person that wanted to become, you know, an entry-level Freemason. They had this ritual where uh, everybody would be, you know, hooded and covered and in a dark room, and they would take uh, the initiate and expose his uh, right breast and roll up, uh, I can't remember which leg, but one of his legs, they'd roll his pant leg up, and then they'd put a noose around his neck and then a, a bag or a tarp over his head. And then uh, someone would lead him through the lodge. Well, the lodge had a black and white checkerboard floor. And this was like to symbolize, you know, good and evil being together. And like basically the world is a, a chessboard. Okay. And that there inevitably has to be bad moves, evil moves, dark places to go in order for the greater good. And we all know, you know, in the game of chess, you know, they always say, you know, nobody sacrifices this. Sacrifice so. the pawns. Yeah. Okay. And they would, uh, at the front of the, the, the room was an altar and a flame. And that's where the, you know, the, the highest level, the worship master w would be. Right. And this other guy, he would lead this blindfolded guy around with a dagger to his right breast. Well, the sim symbolism in that was, you know, Freemasonry only accepted men. So the right breast was exposed to show that he was not a female. The pant leg was rolled up to show that he was not a slave. There was no chains. So basically, you're not a slave to the dogma, you know, of, of religious thought and stuff like that. You are a free thinker. You are a free man. And you're blindfolded because you're ignorant. And they would lead you in from the west door because they believed that wisdom came from the east ignorance came from the west so you'd enter from the west side moving towards the east but you were being led 
Right. And you were wondrously being led around like you were lost. And it was just symbolism. You know, you're, you're yeah, lost. Yeah, he's probably just walking around yeah. in circles or whatever. And after so long a time, the initiate would ask to show me the light. Then they would lead you to the east, to the altar where the flame was, and unveil you. And there you would see the flame, and they would have these... Uh, other symbolic things there and it was like uh i can't remember exactly what they called it basically the, the the book of knowledge and if you were a christian believer this was the bible if you were you know a buddhist it was the buddhist book you know whatever religious affiliation that you aligned yourself with that's what the book was and then you would have the square you know the 90 degree angles and that's where you get the um the verbiage you know uh, oh he's a square dude you know he, he's right he's upright you know, there's just so much symbolism in that. But then you'd go up there, and then you'd make your pledges and stuff like that. But they would illuminate you. There's just so much stuff there. Yeah. I don't know enough about that stuff. I haven't really delved into that like you. But I, I just have a feeling anytime there's a, a ritual or a ceremony, and it's not something that is um, well, God-ordained. And it's in <laughs> secret. Yeah. Like, what are you hiding? And you know the the phrase uh, being blackballed, that came from Freemasonry. Because, you know, even like in the Bible, you know, where uh, when we get our new name and you're given the white stone, mm-hmm. that was a stone back then to show pardon or, a, you know, a thumbs up of approval. The black stone was denial or guilty. So once you've done all these rites, you were let out, and then the Freemasons would all vote on whether or not you made it into the lodge and you were given a white and black stone and that's how you voted so if you didn't if somebody voted no against you they put a black stone into the bowl and when you didn't get it you were blackballed that's where that terminology comes from and even the term you know oh man i was given the third degree that's from freemasonry because there was three levels and there's so much just symbolism man uh like once you get past the first stage, you know, your first stage, you know, you're not given any kind of, you know, quote unquote secrets. Then once you, you know, progress and do good works and all these things, you progress to the second level. They take you to this spiral staircase and you ascend to the second level. And there's all this ritual, you know, with corn and wine and, and all this stuff, you know. And then the third degree was the hardest to get, hardest to obtain. And that's why you get that phrase today, you know, oh, I was given the third degree because it was so extraneous, I guess, and hard of an ordeal to obtain. Hmm. <laughs> well, I do know, since we're talking about Freemasons, majority, if not all, I would say probably not all, but mostly all of our presidents have been Freemasons. There's been a, a bunch of other societies they've been parts of throughout history too like Nixon was in the Red Friars or you look at um what's it Skull and Bones was like the Bushes were both in the Skull both them were in the Skull and Bones society and then was it the Jefferson was in the with the Flat Hat Society or something of that nature there's only six members at any given time uh, but that was supposedly he said was didn't even think it was still in existence when he was uh, president or around that time. It is just the thing is, in the end, if it needs to be a secret, something's it, wrong. There, there probably isn't good. Yeah. 
there's not many things that come good from secrets. And I think you can say that from your kid just telling you a lie. Like, hey, dad, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't break the lamp and hide it behind the couch. That's a secret. Secrets aren't good. No. And you know who knows who knows everything? Every every everything you've ever done, you can't hide a secret from. I don't know. Not at all. Exactly. And that's the thing. So in the end, those secrets are all exposed. We can't hide that stuff. We can't I just looking at this stuff when you the more and more I get into stuff, it it it's it's enlightening, but it's discouraging. And I hate to say it that way. But seeing how much, and this is, we're talking about the foundation, sorry, we're going, I'm, I'm backing it up to what we were actually supposed to be talking about. Yes, yeah, the foundation keep jumping of off. America. We keep yeah. jumping off. I mean, there's just so many different rabbit holes we can go down. But looking back and seeing, and when, when uh, watching that documentary and then reading some of the other stuff, I just, it's discouraging. And to think that, you know, our country was founded on, on morals different than what I was taught that, that, that they were. I mean, this it's something that I don't think the majority of people understand or know that this was, our country was not founded on, on the God Yahweh, as we say. He, it was founded on the fact that there was a creator, but give him whatever name you want. This is a, this was an eye-opening research uh, session for me when we, we started really delving into this, and it, Whew, it got deep for me and I and I'll be honest it's really dark and it really it bothers me I guess but at the same time that's why it's so important and why God always talks about is to surround yourself with other like-minded Christians to to have good up, upstanding people in your circle so that you know you know that somebody's got your back when it comes to those things and then when you when you get off stray they correct you exactly they and keep you on the right path because it, you look around and you look at this stuff we're looking at right now. How easily, how easily is it for somebody to be pulled astray? Oh, pull, fall into it. I yeah. want, I want to belong. I want to be part of. I want power. Where do you think these societies yeah. come from? How do they? Oh, I want to belong to that. That's it, that's exclusive. It's that's, secret. It's interesting. It is, and it draws yep. people in. And I think that's half the reason why something like the Masons or, or other organizations are. I mean, Masons aren't really secret, let's be honest. It's semi-secret, you know, that we don't know everything that goes on. Everybody knows there's Freemasons. Right. Everybody doesn't know what goes on. And I think that's just for appeal more than almost anything else is to get people to un to, to, to desire that, to want that. Mm. Well, even what I think is funny, too, is just the ones that say, you know, oh, well, they're Christian men. Well, all their practices, all their rituals and stuff say otherwise. It's like, you know, I know everybody's seen that painting of George Washington with that white apron on with, the, with his, with, you know, finger up in the air holding that uh, chisel or, or, you know, whatever. But it's, that is complete contradictory of the Bible because in Genesis when God made for them coverings, right, mm -hmm. that, was the, that was their covering. Well, this white lambskin apron they would wear was their covering. And they say, oh, it's biblical. You know, this this is as God gave Adam, you know, a, a, a skin covering. This is our skin covering to represent that. Well, the thing is, they wear that because they reject Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your covering. He is your righteousness. They believe that that apron symbolized your works. So all the good deeds that you do, yeah, you're a, a sinful person and all this stuff, but all the good deeds that you do, 
is your covering before God. And that's what they wore. They wore that, because, and they're even buried in it because they believe when they stand before the great architect, they have to have their covering on of all their good works, and that's what's going to save them. But they're they're going to be they're going to be mistaken, very very they? surprised. Well, let's hope that people repent and come back to you know well, of the course. light, you know, yeah. as far as that goes. But speaking of Washington, I, I think it's I, I think that's another you know you think about the founder of our country, someone who is revered so much when you think about our you know think about the Fourth of July, you know George Washington, you know it, it's we think of him as the father of our country. And, you know, like you said, part of the Freemasons, one of those groups, there's not a lot. And I, I wonder if um, we still had that uh, Charles Thompson uh, uh, original history, if, if what would be in there. But Washington went to an Episcopal church, right? I think this is, this is kind of funny. However, Episcopal churches, I don't know if you know much, they kneel a lot. Washington always refused to kneel. He would pray standing up. Yeah, because his pastor recorded all this stuff in his diary that yes. they have found. They did. And Washington um, would uh, refuse to take communion. And when the, when the priest or the, the, the minister came and confronted him about it, he stopped coming on communion Sundays. <laughs> Yeah, because it was crazy. Because it said, uh, and this they found this. I believe it was in this guy's journal, mm-hmm. this this pastor's journal. He wrote about it directly and said that he got the noticing that every day that they done communion, that he would get up and leave before sacrament was uh, given out. But he would leave his wife behind, and he would take the horse and buggy and go home, and then send the carriage back for his wife. So his wife was a believer. He wasn't. And he would always leave and then send the buggy back for his wife. So then that pastor confronted him, and uh, the pastor wrote in his journal that uh, that he agreed with him. He said, "Yes, you're right. I need to set a better example, Father. Thank you for, you know, correcting me." But then he just stopped showing up when they done communion, <laughs> so he didn't have to stand up and walk out. It's like he had to give off the appearance of right. being a Christian. Well, see, at the same time, like I was telling you that that is a history show about the revolution that we've been watching. It says that, you know, you always heard that, that Washington didn't want to be the general and he didn't want to be the president. They, they said that he would pretend that he didn't want it so that he would get it. But in, in reality, he craved it. So it goes on top, you know, he was not he was not a christian man by no means i would say manipulating and everything it's, else it's so hard to know what was in and you know you always hope that at the end that someone comes to their realization i hope that oh, when we course, get to heaven yeah. that every one of them standing there with us we just we don't know we're all we can do is kind of speculate off what we've seen um but i will tell you when you look at some of the direct quotes and we haven't even gotten into a lot of the Jefferson ones yet. And there is Jefferson was pretty ruthless uh, along the same lines as Thomas Paine was um, in, in his, uh, in his uh, views on the Bible to the point where he wrote his own Bible. Uh, Justin, if you want to go into that a little bit. Yeah. That's one thing a lot of people, you know, want to talk about. They say, well, 
Well, Jefferson was a Christian. He had his. He even wrote his own Bible, the Jefferson Bible. Yeah, he did. But if you take the time to look into that Bible, there's something really peculiar about that Bible. Every single supernatural thing that Jesus done is removed from it. Everything that was against reason yes. that he thought he could reason out in his mind what was could what was possible. Happen. Virgin birth gone, any miracle gone. gone. Everything was cut out. And he actually kept the Bible to himself for a while. Uh, actually, I think the majority of his life because he he didn't want. Uh, I can't remember how they exactly said it, but thinking about the blasphemy, like that, he didn't want to be condemned. Him, though. Yeah, yeah, be condemned for what he had for done, what he but, done. Yeah, but he actually originally called it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. Is what his his was Bible was originally called. And his a good quote that he had, kind of referring to this, it says, "The greatest." Of all the reformers of the depraved religion of his own country was Jesus of Nazareth, abstracting what is really from his, I'm sorry, it was really his from this rubbish in which it is buried is easily distinguished by its luster from the dross of his biographers and separable as the diamond from the dunghill. I mean, yeah, and that was a letter to William Short, October thirty first, eighteen nineteen. Exactly, and that that it, he just said that oh, we're taking what we want. We're going to look at the Bible and take what we want out of it. We're going to take that Jesus. You know what? He did the right thing. He stood up against the wrong people. He did this. But the writers made all that stuff up about the miracles. The writers made all that stuff up about the virgin birth. We're just going to take that out. And he said, it's easy to separate the diamonds from the dung heel. Yeah, exactly. The bull crap is what he was saying. Exactly. And actually, he wrote something similar. Um, I think it was the William, Sh- or not, it was William Short. It was uh, where he wrote the same thing. I don't think I actually wrote that quote down. He's used that same quote in a, uh, the same exact thing, the diamond uh, to a dung hill, in another letter that he wrote to... Uh, someone else as well. I can't I remember it like exactly. Adams it might have been John yeah. Adams that he wrote that to. And I thought that was... Yeah, so this is just not our assumptions. This is well-documented Well-documented. And I, uh, since we're on the subject of Thomas Jefferson, I wanted to share the letter that he wrote to his nephew while he was in college. Uh, here it says, To his nephew going to college, he wrote, You will next read the New Testament, a history of a personage called Jesus keeping your eye the opposite pretensions eye of those who say he was begotten by god born a virgin suspended and reversed the laws of nature at will and ascended bodily into heaven and two of those who say he was a man of intelligent of illegitimate birth who set out without pretensions to divinity ended in believing them and was punished uh, capitally for sedition by being gibbeted according to the Roman law. These questions are examined in the books that I have mentioned. They will assist you in your inquiries, but keep your reason firmly on the watch in reading them all. I mean, if that ain't blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I mean it's just uh, it's if you if you read 
you read the whole Bible. You have the old the whole testament pointing towards them. Right. I don't And that's reason. what all these guys it was it all went back to reason, you know. Uh the Georgia Guidestones, you know, yeah. that was recently just destroyed. You know, this was echoes from the enlightened period. You know, it was basically the, the Ten Commandments of the NWO. <laughs> you know, right. let these be Guidestones to an age of reason mm-hmm. written on their base. You know, Jefferson said, but we hope that the dawn of reason and freedom of thought in the United States will do away with all of these artificial subfoldings and restore to us the uh, primitive and genuine doctrines. Talk about getting rid of Christianity. I I don't understand. It, so, so I mean, I mean, I'm just talking about like the reason, just, just. In their mind, their reasoning, whatever. So you're telling me, yeah, I'm talking to Jefferson and all of them, you know, you're telling me that God created all this stuff, but yet he cannot manipulate it? He's, I mean, they, that, they that, that, that would be kind of... He stays detached. That's the whole point. Yeah, well, of I understand deism. that, but... I, That'd be like, that'd be like a, I'm the builder and I built this house. You live in it, but I never come back to fix anything. You know, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What's it's like, you're, you're, what, what you got, you got too bad if, if the roof starts leaking. Actually, I think, I think here's a, here's a good quote going from John Adams that kind of refers a little bit to that down that path a little bit says, the Europeans are all deeply tainted with prejudices they can never get rid of. They are all infected with creeds and confessions of faith. They all believe that the great principle, God, which has produced the boundless universe, came down to this little ball, earth, to be spit on by Jews. Until we can, or until the awful blasphemy is gotten rid of, there will never be any liberal science in the world. And that's a letter to, from John Adams to Thomas Jefferson. Just, just they were as, all like minded. They it's they were they were you know the old the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. Right. I mean, it's the true story. I mean it is. They all they all had and like you said, we we can say that Maybe certain ones were part of a certain organization, not other ones were, whatever. But you know what? If you surround yourself, it's the same thing. If, and don't mean this in a negative light, however, you know, but say, you know, I surround myself with uh, good Christian people. I'm more likely to be uh, uh, drawn to that lifestyle. If I surround myself with drug dealers, I'm more likely to become a drug dealer. I mean, if I, so... The more you're around a certain set of ideals and ideologies right. that you allow to infect your mind, echo, infect your echo heart, chamber. Exa- infect your soul, right. you're more likely to start finding reason in those. And I don't use the word reason lightly when we're talking about this. You fall down that rabbit hole, and it's something that we see in society today. You're trying to see everybody use their own reason to make sense of, of society, 
and 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 why this is okay, why that's okay. It reason. We're using our human reason. We're not using God's reason that goes beyond all human understanding. We're using our reason. And it makes absolutely no sense when we use our sinful reason to try to make sense of this world. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, it goes back to, like I was talking earlier about the atheist. If they're all like-minded, why are they beating a dead horse? There's something telling them. Something's hitting at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if they're both like-minded, why are they why are they trying to Ephesians six twelve, that's why. Yeah. Throw it under you know We fight not against flesh and yeah. blood. Right. Yeah. And as you say, backing it up, how this spread like the tentacles of an octopus goes back to the Illuminati, the enlightened ones. When you look into them, it says the goal was to gather like-minded people and exalt them to government office and spread their influence and ideas around the world. The Illuminati was established the same year as the American Revolution. This date is on the bottom of the Great Seal and at the base of the All-Seeing Eye Pyramid. Many founding fathers were known Freemasons. The Illuminati was a cornerstone of America. The Illuminati wanted out from under the monarch and the church, and they had three main goals. One, separation of church and state. Number two, controls of the power of state or government. And three, uh, emancipation of women slash all peoples. So look at America today. They got what they wanted. Oh, yeah. Thomas Paine wrote the tracks for George Washington. Thomas Paine had connections with the Illuminati. Ben Franklin brought Paine to England. Franklin was involved with numerous secret societies in America and Europe. Franklin was the master of the lodge in Paris, which was the epicenter of the Illuminati activity. It's The lodge is called the Nine Sisters. You know, he was also, uh, that book that I mentioned earlier, Fire in the Minds of Men by James Billington, wrote that Payne lived in a menage a trois with Nicholas Bonneville and his wife in 1797 to 1802. Bonneville was directly involved with the Bulvarian Illuminati and was the channel of influence to Payne. You know, direct connection to the Illuminati and Payne who inspired the revolution wrote tracks for George Washington, his best friend, and with many other founding fathers. You know, Payne even wrote about the origin of Freemasonry, like he had first-hand knowledge. It's highly debated that he was a member, but all signs point that he was. You know, there was even lodges named after Payne. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if he wasn't a direct member, right. he had direct influence yeah. and friends he had in the it, inner right. circles. It's the ideals. We go back again to the ideals. What, what were everybody trying to accomplish? You don't have to be members of a club to all have the same ideas. But... I guess let's let's jump a little further down the down the Finding Fathers line to the Ben Franklin. I got a feeling that you want to hit that up. Definitely, and you hinted on it. Go ahead. Well, there's. I'll start. Well known Freemason well, here. No dispute here. No dispute, and, and well, and he like you said, he was the the master of uh, two different uh, temples. He lived, well, 
he also lived two different lives. Because first in England, at least, or, or in Britain, he was he was on the inside, and then he got kicked out, which is why he went to America. Well, he just like the the founding father said, they wanted out from underneath right. the monarch of the church because right. the church, you know, in their eyes, bonded free thinkers, and you know they wanted out from underneath their wing. That way, they could practice what the they wanted to practice, from church yes, and, and do state. what they wanted to do. That was the number one goal. Well, let me let me start with a a, a quote when when uh, he was asked about Jesus as far as the as far as the divinity of Jesus. He says, "I think the system of morals in his religion, as he left them to us, the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. But I apprehend it has received various corrupt changes, and I have with most of the present." dissenters in England some doubts as is to, as to his divinity and uh, I think that that leads us right into a, a, a good Bible verse actually I think this one was on the documentary uh, kind of referring to this same exact incident but in the last days perilous times shall come for men uh, shall be lovers of themselves having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And that's 2 Timothy 3, 1, 2, and uh, 5 there. And I think that you just see that taking the divinity out, taking Jesus out of the religion, trying to, once again, kind of replace that divinity with reason. And, and over and over again, you see this with each of these founding fathers, and I, I mean, we're not going to hit everybody tonight. There's no possible way. It was that 52 people that signed the Declaration of Independence, I think it was. Uh, I don't have, we don't have time to go through everybody. We're hitting, you know, the big name people, but their ideas were the same. Their, their, their ideology, when you talk about, oh, there's God, yep. Uh, you know, the Bible's there. Jesus was a great guy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. He was a good dude. And you know what's the, what's the uh, anytime you can you know just take that little bit of truth out. Remember how we always talk about um, you know the way the way uh, Satan shows himself or the way the Antichrist will show himself is is he will appear like oh Jesus is great, but he's going to change the truth enough that he'll corrupt it. Just enough, and well, and this is taking a little too far, taking all the divinity out. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but it's something that we need to be on the watch for in our society today when you see these things. And as soon as someone, I don't care if it's a pastor, I don't care if it's a, a president, I don't care if it's a, 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 a leader of some secret society, as soon as they take God's word and they pervert it in some way or another where they take Jesus out of the focus— they take God, they take, they take Jesus' divinity, Jesus uh, born of the virgin birth, Jesus being our salvation. They take that out, then you can see who's really behind what they're saying. Yeah, and Franklin said, you know, original sin was as ridiculous as imputed righteousness. He's talking about Jesus. You know, and, and going back to the, you know, the, the lambskin thing that I had mentioned earlier, I, I 
I knew about the lambskin and what they believed it was, but I never realized this till I seen this documentary. But you know, with that quote, you know, he's talking about the righteousness through Christ. You know, the Masons believe that you know their their covering was through works, not through belief. You know, of, of well, Christ. That's, yeah, that's part of getting in. You have to. Yeah do so much time community service and give so much food to the and all these whatever. good works yeah. yeah but you know it all goes back to the coverings of adam and eve you know and but i didn't know this but the original draft of the declaration of independence was written on a white lambskin masonic apron huh. the original draft that i did not know yeah you know, Mormons and Masons are buried in their white aprons. It's their covering before God. You know, it's debated if Jefferson was a Freemason, but he is depicted on a list of Masonic presidents given out by these Masonic lodges. You know, as we mentioned earlier, Franklin was the master of the lodge in Philadelphia and Paris. Uh, in England, he was a member of the Hellfire Club, which was a secret society originally known as the Monks of Minton, uh, Mintonham Abbey openly mocked other religions with sex orgies and satanic rites and sacrifices and above the door this is the most interesting thing above the door of that lodge said do as thou wilt hmm. the famous quote of alistair crowley exactly who is a known mason uh and also satanist yeah for, i mean that's a that's a whole nother episode for a whole nother time because Aleister Crowley, and uh, I told Ben you actually were with me when I, I you accidentally bought one of his I books. accidentally bought like a well a book of one of his followers, and that that was when I read it it was something about the uh, the book of Enoch the keys to the book of wisdom or something. And I just assumed it was something about the book of Enoch as far as you know the the apocryphal book. It was not, and it was horrifying, and I read about a chapter, and then I had, I will tell you, a dream that was, that was, I would call it more of a vision, because I will tell you right now, that was not a, that was not a dream, that was a, that was something that was brought on me from the evil of that book, and I know that sounds, if, if you've never had something like that happen, or never been around it, I know that sounds crazy, but I will tell you, and I know there's people out there that are like, yep, I know what you're talking about. The, the cover even looked kind of. But I'll tell you, creepy. I have never felt evil like that when I read that. I read one chapter out of, or not chapter, I read one paragraph, and it was talking about genetic manipulation and, and the best way to, um, you know, as far as like further, further our human genetics and things of this nature. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this isn't in the book of Enoch. So uh, uh, I'm telling you, Ben was with me when I burned that book. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's like, I, I got a book we need to burn. <laughs> Bad. But I I'll mean, tell you, it's evil. It was, it was like a it. the covering looked like it could have been a Bible. It's, about the, it's probably about as thick as a Bible. It was a perverted one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it even kind of felt a little creepy. He's like, he went to his building, and I'm like, it's in your building? He goes, I ain't bringing it in my house. I ain't leaving it in my house. It was out in the shed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I literally, I handed it, and I showed it to you, and you went about to read I said, no, don't open it. Yeah, we threw and it right I, in the fire. I know, and I know if and you're out there. And sucker burnt quick. And if you've, never, if you've never had an experience like that where you can feel evil, 
thank the Lord that you haven't. But when it's it is there, creepy. it's creepy. You can feel the hand of it on you, and I, I, I can say that, and I can see that, even in what we're talking about today. I know I got off base there a little bit with what we're talking about, but you can see that that same hand was on these men, that was pushing their ideologies and pulling them away from from what, you know, the at the time would have been mostly uh, uh, Roman Catholicism at the time where they came from. But you can see that they were getting pulled away from that. They were straight away that, that there was a lot of evil working on them. And we, like I've said a couple times already that Ephesians six 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but um, it's, it gets intense. And, and I think that we just, everybody needs to make sure that they know when, when, there's testing things all spirits. We'll test all spirits. When there's things around you, you might I don't know. I, I can't I can't keep going on this, Justin. Um We'll go into this. Uh February the eleventh, nineteen ninety eight. You touched on that. I, go I touched ahead and take on. a deep dive. Well, a little interesting that um they were redoing um uh Ben Franklin's house. They were kinda working on the foundation and underneath the foundation they uh Happened to find, I think it was 10 bodies, correct? Yes. And there was four adults and six children. They all looked like they had been um, dissected, for and lack burnt. of a better word, dissected and burnt. And uh, they dated the bodies back to the time that he would have been living in that house, um, ben, ben Franklin. I I mean, it's it. from there, you can speculate whatever you want. But that's a little creepy um, to say that there's and, you know, we talk a lot about certain secret societies and things of that nature. And I'm not necessarily talking about I'm not talking about Masons. I'm not talking about anything. There could have well, been some other secret society. Could have been Illuminati. Well, this, well, this could have been when he was in England and when he was a member of the Hellfire Club. And the, Hel- well, and yeah, the Hellfire, Hellfire Club, Club was known for their sexual rituals and satanic occult type stuff. You know, I mean, it, it's a good possibility that. These were you sacrifices. Know, sacrifices that, and he was a man of science that he brought home after they'd killed him to cut them open. And well, he had a friend, some, didn't he? Have a friend that was uh yeah, Doctor Wilson uh, Hewson. Uh, he, he was a friend of Franklin's uh, that ran a medical school inside of his home. You know, the the newspaper that when they found this, you know, tried to you know whitewash it, and make Ben look as good as he could, but uh, they claimed that you know that this could have been you know his bodies and cadavers and stuff like that but it's like even if they were why would it be under your foundation why would you bury them under your house yeah. why wouldn't you give them proper burial well the thing is too they they speculated that it could have been the fact that you know he was looking for cadavers to to work on and or even that he was robbing. a grave robber that went and took the bodies to look at them but why if you already dug them up why wouldn't you take them back and put them where they were rather than putting them under your house to you know to potentially indict you. Well, he's uh, hiding them. But I know, and that's the thing is, who know? But we don't know for sure if that's if that's Frank. But either way, it, it's not else. it's not good Christian it, practice. I, I wouldn't say I so. I would I would say it's not good human yeah. practice. The, the, the fruit is not too ripe. <laughs> I mean, Christian or not, you don't bury, bury bodies underneath no, your house. You sure don't. <laughs> but even uh, I mean, that's just reason i mean come on guy 
But even when you go into like just the, the architecture, you know, I mean, a whole episode could be done on that. If you ever go to Washington D.C. Oh yeah, all of know, it. You, you got the, the uh, whole D.C. You know the 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 phallus. You know, the the Washington what Monument. The, yeah, Washington Monument. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but uh, the the total height of it is six hundred and sixty six feet. There's a uh, so much of it standing above ground, so much of it below ground, which is a total of six hundred and sixty six feet. It's documented, uh, and it's a uh, a whole like Egyptian pagan uh, theme because you see all those phalluses in Egypt, and if you look, that uh, that monument is lined up perfectly with the dome of uh, of the White House. And what they would say, and it's documented in all the, you know the uh, tablets and stuff of Egypt, that when a new pharaoh was was brought in, he was the embodiment of that god. That the chariot would ride to the uh, the temple at a certain time, and they would have all these sacrifices and rituals to where they would uh, call the spirit uh, of the god to indwell inside the pharaoh. So he was the embodiment possessed by this god and all the times and stuff line up to where the shadow of that phallus would enter the temple and it was domed like a woman's womb so it's basically the the god impregnating the womb of the temple where that god was and then he would come out and boom he was born come out of the womb and he was a uh, god in the flesh incarnate and they set up our capital this way and Ben you talked about this yeah. before we recorded I've I've heard things about when the president takes his oath that there's actually like a demonic or whatever ritual in the basement right underneath where the ceremonies happening above to do practically the same thing so it, it's a it's their creation right they're taking the spirit of whatever out of the previous president and putting it into the present president. You know what I'm really happy about when it's all over, I'll be in heaven. We'll have to worry about any of this nonsense. Yeah. Right. Because this is terrifying. Oh, yeah. And if, all the buildings, you got all all them people I mean, you see, of, they're, they're gods and goddesses, yeah. Jupiter and, and right. the God of reason. Well, they're saying like, all of D.C. is architecturally laid out. Oh, yeah, like the overhead view. Uh, yeah. There's pentagrams. I mean, all everything. All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. I, I, and it's all, all Freemason stuff, too. This stuff, it does. It's, 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 to me, it's creepy. To me, it's terrifying when you really think, and, and like I said, this was something when uh, Justin brought up that he wanted to look a little bit into the founding fathers, you know, my idea was, Oh, there's probably a couple bad eggs in the dozen. <laughs> and then you start looking into it and I, I'm, I'm struggling They're to find something. I'm, try, I'm struggling to find something positive. And it's, it's just, it's sad, but I guess that once again, this this is where we said before that you need to test all the spirits. You need to know, you the need truth. to know the truth and you, but you need to look and you need to, to, you know, know thy an enemy, right? If we don't know who we're fighting against, we're already losing. If we don't know, and, and right now we are fighting that spiritual war all around us. 
and and I don't care what you're seeing if it's a Canadian school teacher, if it's whatever else that's trying to show themselves doing something just to prove a point, trying to to like basically turn God's creations into abominations. And we're seeing this everywhere and we're seeing it become more and more accepted. And the fact of the matter is, is that those evil powers have never had as much control, I would say, since the flood as they do right now. And that's a little scary to think about because what happened when they had that much power before? Oh, well, the flood happened. What's going to happen next time? Fire. It ain't going to be flood. It's going to be fire. And one thing, uh, when I was looking, you know, with Thomas Paine, you know, when he was on his deathbed, it says that many Christian people went to his house and tried to witness to him and get him to recant all his blasphemous things he said against the Bible, Christianity, and Christ. And he, you know, kept refusing. Well, and his biographers wrote about him, and they said that, uh, you know, there was two contradictory stories. One of the biographers said that he was so paranoid that he didn't want to be alone. He always had somebody with him at all times because he was paranoid because death was coming for him. And then the other biographer said, yes, he, he did always want somebody with him, but it was for a witness and that he told the people with him, I, I, I got so many Christians coming to me and trying to get me to recant. I do not want to be left alone. That way anybody can say that I had a deathbed confession or conversion. I'm holding fast. God is not real. Jesus Christ is not real. I am the God of my own mind. And that shows you the just the, the antichrist spirit that, that he had is. and he, he and it's you know he he went on his deathbed holding fast to everything he said and written second, that's crazy second john 7 i say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world they deny jesus christ came in the real body such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist i tell you it is just it, it it this whole thing really like i said it's it's really kind of demoralizing in a way just it kind of makes you not want to be patriot well no kinda. no 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 so i think that the the thing is is always intent right i think it's always intent the the majority of people that are are that are christian people in this country have good intent that we we do love this country because we're allowed to to practice our religion we're allowed to to proclaim that god is 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 above us that jesus saved us we're allowed to do that a lot of countries we can't do that in you're put to death for that so well, i think like that's that another well what, i think it's another way used or intended for harm god that is exactly what right. i was going to say is that, that, that god takes something that's evil and turns it around for good he takes and makes the best out of it and he's given us a platform in, in most other countries, we couldn't have this conversation and be able to put it out there. Where in this country, we have a freedom of speech for now that we're able to to talk about these things, be able to, to profess our faith, talk about how much we love God. And, I, you know, we're looking at a lot of this stuff and we're looking at, um, you know, different people's uh, 
input, but we're looking at a lot of things that are, are, are factual that are there that are quotes that are from individual letters written by these certain people. This is, this is stuff that's true. This is out there. But in the end, we only have to answer for ourselves, right? In the end, what you say when you're out in, in front of in front of Jesus, when you, when you get to heaven, you know what Jesus is going to say to you, Ben? What's he going to say to you? Well done, my, my good and faithful Sasquatch. servant. My fellow Sasquatch. No, well done, my good and faithful awesome servant. Beard. He's not going to say that. Probably not. No. He probably has a better yeah. one. No, he's going to say trim that thing. <laughs> my goodness, man. But that's the whole point. Yes. My good and faithful sir, well done. And that's something that we need to focus on and put this evil behind us because it's all around us all the time. We can't let it affect us. We can't let it affect our families. We can't let, you think about us, I'm scared for our children in the way the world's going right now. I'm not, I, I know where I'm at with God. Where right. are our kids going to be? Yep. That's true. Because they're, you know, which we're homeschooling our kids, but... And honestly, I mean, if there's one place where going to school, even public school is okay. Like here in Tennessee, and I don't know where anybody's listening. I love this, but my kids have been in a public school here, and they have nativity scenes at Christmas in the public school. You know what? In Florida, they might have they might have hung you up by your toes if you did that. It just you don't do that anywhere else. Tennessee and 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 some of the other Bible Belt states. We have such an advantage right now that we can still profess this, that we can still talk about our faith, that you're not subjected to a lot of the scrutiny that so many people are. But I, I just, I count my blessings for that. I count my, I'm so glad we moved here with our kids for that reason and that reason alone. But, and I kind of like you guys too. Which this study wouldn't be complete if we didn't touch on, uh, the the origins of freemason you know the freemasonry you know it, it's kind of you know they say it's ancient it dates back all the way to to you know to adam you know that adam was the first you know alchemist slash freemason you know what i mean but it, it's 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 one of those things that's kind of lost and it's open to speculation but what they hold to and what they you know put forward to to everybody entail you know in the Masonic lodges, there's there's four pillars, and it's mentioned that these represent the grand masters on which free, uh, Freemasonry was built. It goes back to King Solomon, Haram, the King of Tyre, and the master builder Haram Habif. And it talks about when Solomon was building his temple. You know that he uh, wrote to the King of Tyre and asked for their their best architects, you know, their their best wood, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Well, it briefly mentions this guy named Abif, or Hubbeef, I don't know how you say it. But basically, in a nutshell, they believed that this guy was like a master of divine knowledge, that he knew all things, that, you know, that, that God or the angels or whatever had just gave all this information to just a select hand, handful of people, and he was one of them. And he had four uh, people that was basically his understudies. And you had to follow this, you know, master for so long, and he would just, you know, as you were ready, give little bits of the knowledge to you. 
Well, these guys became jealous and wanted it now. So before the temple was finished, they kept begging him, you know, we're ready, Master, give us the knowledge. And he kept refusing, no, you're not ready, no, you're not ready. So these four guys devised a plan and uh, entered in the four corners of the temple and surrounded him with weapons and threatened his life if he didn't divulge the secrets. And he didn't, and he was murdered. So this is basically Freemasonry's attempt to, to regather the, the lost knowledge of this grand master that was murdered and all this symbology and stuff is in their temples today. Hmm. So that they try to say it's biblical. There's nothing biblical. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, a bunny trail, but I think it's an interesting bunny trail. A lot of Freemasons practiced alchemy. And I never looked into that. I just you know I, when I think of alchemy, I think of Rumble Stiltskin, you know, <laughs> spinning straw into gold, you know. And that, that's basically all I knew. It was just some, you know, crazy whack job guys that thought that they could turn lead or straw or all these other elements into gold. But as we were taking this deep dive, I, I bought a book on Freemasonry, and right beside of it, you know, was another book on alchemy, you know, uh, the practice of the, the Freemasons. And I was like, well, you know, it'd probably be interesting. I'll just dive into it and check it out. And, man, it was. <laughs> it was interesting. There's so much more to it. Uh, but, like, you know, it, it's a practice of turning, you know, lead or dross into gold. Uh, but a lot of them looked at it, you know, this was also a, a spiritual process. You know, the process was referred to as the great work. You know, the practitioner was refining and changing himself also. You know, they didn't need baptism or God. Once again, they were their own gods. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton, you know, practiced alchemy. You know, an Arab alchemist, Al-Hazin, invented the camera obscura, uh, alcoholic distillation, uh, phosphorus, porcelain, and sodium nitrate were all products of alchemists' labs. Uh, Newton spoke of the art as concealing secrets that would be dangerous if the wrong hands, if, if in the wrong hands. Some believe he knew that it held the secrets to nuclear power. It's pretty wild stuff. Uh, but the goal was to produce something called the Philosopher's Stone. You know, we've heard that with, you know, the, the Harry Potter series. Uh, you know, th this stone had magical properties. You know, uh, writers uh, Jacob... Boshim, sorry if I got that wrong, but uh, it was 1575 to 1624 was his lifespan. And Thomas Vaughn, 1621 to 1665, equated the philosopher's stone with Christ and can be seen as mysteries as much as the alchemist. You know, it's whoever created the stone would gather much wealth, both physical and spiritual, and prolong life. Astrology was always been important in alchemy. Spring was the best time to practice because it was the alignment of Aries and Taurus. Uh, it was said that this art came from Egypt. The name alchemy means art of the black land, you know, a.k.a. the black fertile soil from the Nile. And as I just went into this, man, it was just so, so wild. Uh, and this, I think, is a direct reference to the fallen angels 
and the teachings, you know, from the book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. It, it screamed it out to me as I was reading it. It says, you know, the Dutch physician, Haram Bachave, which I mentioned earlier, who had a study of alchemy in the 18th century, believed that it meant a cult or mystery, seeing a, a duration from the Hebrew shaman or haman, meaning mystery, something that was not to be revealed to the people at large, but treasured as a religious secret. You know, Tertullian, writing in the late 2nd century, tells how a race of giants were born to certain women who had relations with a race of fallen angels. They taught their wisdom to whoever asked. The books that held their secrets were called Shema. Clement of Alexandria describes them as being masters of metallurgy, biology, magic, and astrology. Those are all the teachings that the fallen angels taught. And, you know, even when we talked with Ryan Peterson, he talked about uh, uh, Naaman and his sons. What was the first things that they become masters of all of a sudden? You know, they were uh, metallurgists and uh, blacksmiths and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, all this, you know, I mean, uh, it lines up pretty much hand in glove. But, you know, few men are said to have created the philosopher's stone that actually completed the, the great work. Uh, one was named Nicolas Flamel. He was a French alchemist from 1330 to 1417. It says, One night an angel came to him in a dream. It showed him a book, and before he could grab the book, the angel vanished. Later, in 1357, he found the book from his dream and bought it. It was written by Abraham Elaziar. Ele- it was on the turning metals into gold. He discovered a code hidden in its pages. Flamel had an ancient Kabbalist text thought to have been lost forever. Friday the 17th of January, 1382, he created the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, Over the next 15 years, he acquired huge wealth. He funded 14 hospitals in Paris alone, and he gave substantial uh, donations to seven churches and... uh, Let's see. Uh, bull, I can't read the name of the town. I'm sorry, my handwriting's awful. But yeah, in his town, he donated the seven churches. Uh, in March of 1417, he died. A mob looted his house searching for the stone or his writings on how to create it. They found nothing. They even dug up his body to see if he was buried with it. The grave was said to be empty. They were said to have fled to India and were spotted around 1700 and uh, also in Paris in 1761. It's interesting that all, you know, quote-unquote genuine alchemists lived on average twice as long as the average span. Uh, Jabbar was in his mid-90s, Albert Magnus, 87, Roger Beacon, 80, Isaac Newton, 84, and Fulsuni was also over 100. Hmm. It's it's pretty wild stuff, uh, these stories. Uh, another one was uh, John F- Frederick Hel- Helvetus, December the 27th, 1666. Hmm. <laughs> a stranger came to his house in The Hague. The man introduced himself as a uh, brass founder named Elias. The stranger uh, produced three small yellow stones from an ivory box, and he told Helvetus these were philosopher's stones. Helvetus asked if he could do a transmutation, uh, and the man 
man declined, saying that the time was not right. Three weeks later, he returned and gave him one of the stones, but not before cutting it in half and throwing the other into the fire. Helvetus uh, commented on its small size, but was told that half the size of a walnut was more than enough. He heated some of the lead and added a piece of stone. The lead became gold. He took it to the goldsmith, who said that it was the finest gold he had ever tested. He never saw the stranger again. Hmm. You know, another fallen angel Kinda, encounter. Well, we talk about that that forbidden technology all the time, and and that search for it. I, I mean, it's just wild to, to to think about. And you know, I mean, I never read into this stuff, and it was just like from a biblical lens. It was like you know, I seen what it was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the crazy part. You look at so many of these things. I've been reading a book, uh, a Graham ha- Hancock book, and it kind of goes down some of these same these same rabbit holes. But it just blows me away. He, such a smart guy, can take God out of the equation. If you just put God in it, it gives you all the answers. It just shows you. It shows you the whole picture. But just can't quite get there. But it says, uh, it's almost like these strangers approached these men to warn them of dangers, of intellectual and scientific changes that Europe was experiencing at that time. In furthering science and technology, at the expense of all else, humanity would become dangerously and unbalanced. Though obsessive attachment to the left brain values as materialism, rationality, human beings would lose sight of their divine origins, something alchemy could help restore, if not forgotten. And that was a quote quote from that that book, you know. But another thing, uh, gunpowder was a discovery from Chinese alchemy. Mm -hmm. But what was really interesting, now this ties in, and now the book don't make this, you know, connection, but, but, but I kind of made this connection was Indian alchemy well with Indian alchemy Shiva is important to Indian alchemy she is the mother the alchemist works upon and is said to uh, be a parkika I'm sorry I can't pronounce some of these words that well but uh, which it means primordial matter dark matter Mm -hmm. I'm thinking CERN here shiva is a they got a statue of it right outside they're trying to discover dark matter okay it says this is a matter which all things are made it is the physical manifestation of the goddess herself to understand the great work you know which was alchemy was to work with the process of nature and feminine forces and to become one with them this is the ultimate spiritual union of opposites through physical union of lovers the union which mercury was the ego is finally killed enabling the alchemist to achieve the highest form of freedom the you know the hydrogen collider what does it do it collides two opposite things uniting them it's like that's uh is it I mean is is cern modern day alchemy hmm. I mean, it's crazy to think about and the whole Indian alchemy, it's its a whole spiritual thing. And I, I, I know I can go with this for a while, but I'll end with this on, on the alchemy stuff. Carl Jung 
you know, he had he spoke on spiritual alchemy. This was not a religious man by no means. He spoke out against, you know, Christianity and stuff. But he says, the opus magnum had two aims, to rescue the human soul and salvation of the cosmos. Therefore, it was psychological. He became uh, counseled that uh, uh, the Nigero, or initial, black, chaotic stage of the work was, in fact, the unconsciousness. And that's what they called the first stage when you're messing with the, the raw materials. So he believed, you know, it was dealing with the, the subconsciousness. And it says, the stages were psychological processes that marked growth of a personality into balanced maturity. The first stage, matter is cooked. This is the a personal crisis that threatens to destroy the personality. It must be destroyed voluntarily. This surrender of ego is vital. To be successful, the alchemist needs to be humble and ego-free. Later stages of the work is self-purification. This corresponds with albedo, or the whitening of the matter. By continuing the work, they are grounded once again. And then the final stage is uh, the complete integration and acceptance of the person's experience and personality. Jung held, we all go through these processes many times throughout our lives. Alchemists have always known uh, that quantum physics are now just realizing our state of mind directly influences our surroundings and helps create them. The final stage is up to the individual. It takes one's knowledge a step further to consciously marry the desperate elements of one's experiences and weld them together in a com complementary whole to transmute into the living philosopher's stone. Then the great work is done. We are redeemed and ourselves and in the process, redeem the cosmos. Alchemists agree with the Hebrew proverb, he who saves one life saves the entire world. Hmm. That sounds like a book I'm at to borrow. Yes, it's, sounds, it's wild. But it shows you, once again, this is something the Freemasons believed and they practiced because it was something that they didn't need God. The, they themselves became gods through their own willpower and magic. These these were the the founding fathers of America. That just going through this and I it's just been one of those things where you know I every time we do something where we do a deep dive and we really research something, you know, we give ourselves a couple of weeks to really dig into something. I you know, I always learn something. You always pull some, you know, we, we always say the nuggets, right? You always pull those nuggets out and you find something new and you find something that relates. And so, you know, you have those little aha moments. This is one of those things when we, you know, Justin brought this up, like I said before, is that I I wasn't ready for this rabbit hole. There's just more here than I, I ever thought. And it, it blows my mind. And it, it's one of those things where, we really we really just need to understand our own personal relationship with God. We need to not let others influence it, especially when you can look around and, and see people that, you know, we believe are godly. We believe we're following the right people. We believe we're we're diving into these things that are are 
potentially positive, but if God's not there, if God's not there, you know, it's, it, it, I don't know. This, this one was a, a hard one for me to get through because it, 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 it actually really bothered me. I'll be honest to find out a lot of this stuff. I'm, well, anyway, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in and listening and uh, sorry for ending on such a sour note, but Christ is King. Christ is King. And we'll talk to you again next time. See ya. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at the dig 423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at the Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.